and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and my voice almost cracked, but I'm joined, as always, with Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing fine. We're just watching this Toronto-Milwaukee game that's going to be wrapped. We'll eventually talk about it, hopefully. This is game three right now. It's exhausting to watch <laughs> bad basketball. <laughs> just watch the Raptors just choke away a chance. So far, I, I mean, at the time of this, we don't know who's going to win it, but... Just bad possession after bad possession. I mean, that's like basketball one-on-one on bad possessions right there. And right, ah, Let's just not get into it right now because I could rant about it. Before we get too much further into the podcast, though, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Podcast. Or, excuse me, at NBA Couch GM Pod. Not podcast, it's pod. Um, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher if you haven't already. Leave us a rating. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, we are on episode 29, Matt. We're almost 30 weeks into this podcast. That's bonkers. It's bonkers. Time has just flown by. Um, but before we get into the full episode 29, let me recap 28 for those of you who missed it. Laker, Lakers, we talked about Lakers hiring Frank Vogel. Um, Cavs hired John Beeline for away from Michigan, which was a really interesting hire for them. Um, we got KD and Boogie injury updates. We recapped round two and um, the beginning of the conference finals. Matt's game of the week last week was uh, which game was that? that was game two. Game two of Warriors Blazers. Um, Matt predicted the Golden State Warriors would win one fourteen to one oh nine. The Warriors indeed, indeed did win 114 to 111. I is, was so close. Is that the closest we've ever had on this podcast? Two point difference. Got the winner, got the winning score. I mean, that might be. I'm not going to lie. I was really pre- impressed and proud of myself. Did you bet? No. Should have. You should have. You would have had that like perfect. I, I was really close. Um, <clears throat> my game of the week was um, Bucks Raptors game two. Yeah. Um,. I predicted the Bucks would win 110 to the Raptors 103. The Bucks did win 125 to the Raptors 103. You got that 103 right. That was eerie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's like we're getting good at this. It's like Trying. We, we watched enough basketball to kind of guess what these teams can score now. So don't listen to us for our game of the week this week because we're going to be so wrong. Yes, exactly. It's going to skew back the other way. Matt, what's happened in this week's uh, news so we mentioned uh, to watch the NBA Draft Lottery this past Tuesday. And if you did watch it, or even if you didn't, you probably heard about it. The Pelicans shockingly win the NBA Draft Lottery. And we'll talk more about the lottery. But, man, David Griffin, there's something about that dude. That lucky tie. That lucky tie. I mean, there was incredible stories coming out of that Draft Lottery room. Like, Alvin, I'm sure if you haven't seen the video of Alvin Gentry, the coach for uh, the Pelicans, just, like, standing up. Like the dude from that movie, just like, are you not entertained? Not entertained, and so just good. saying f yes the whole room. Like, what an amazing moment! So good. <laughs> then the Pelicans and other news. They bring in um, Trayhon Langdon to be their GM. Um, he was the assistant GM with the Nets and helping rebuild that franchise. So essentially, he's gonna be running the team with David Griffin. The Pelicans they've just needed to rebuild that front office. They essentially have now. I'll, we'll see if it's enough to either keep AD or to make the best out of that situation. But it's a smart hire. Um, I don't know if this is, this next part is very smart, but the Lakers do not plan to hire anyone to replace Magic Johnson. So essentially they're just giving Rob Palenka the primary day-to-day decision-making duties. So, yes, let's give a guy who signed the meme squad last year full control <laughs> over decision making <laughs> I, I love it i love it so much um it's everything that, i could ever want that just pains me it's so like, good <laughs> i know this isn't like a video podcast or anything but like i just had my hands down uh or my head down in my hands like what the heck are you doing it's this is exactly what i thought would happen and i mean they looked around they they heard some advice from the rambus family and ultimately decided on this. We'll so, see if it works, but I'm going to bet no. This is essentially conceding that LeBron's the GM. Yeah, basically. In other news, um, Tyreek Evans, p- piece of sadder news here, and, and I'm really curious if the details will ever fully come out on this, but Tyreek Evans has been suspended for two years due to violating the league's anti-drug policy. 
this must be pretty serious because smoking pot is its <laughs> own separate thing from right. this. Like you got to test positive like three times to get like a five game suspension. So this is not a five game suspension, and this was a a one test. So who knows what he's on? Maybe that's why he played poorly this year. Um, <laughs> Just totally smoke the entire time. <laughs> but but he's out for two years. I mean, the Patriots have said we'll support this guy and all, but yikes! As someone we thought coming into the year, like man, that's gonna be a useful player. Whether he's a, a fifth starter or like that's first man off the bench, out now. And an actual player news, um, guys still still out on the court. Damian Lillard's playing with separated ribs that he had suffered in game two. It kind of explains what you're seeing from him um, in this Golden State Portland series. He's saying it's not an excuse, but but very clearly we can see like he's not the same dude. It right feels now. less Embiidish than it should. Like yeah. after every time like the Sixers lost, it was like oh Joel is sick. Oh Joel's knees hurt. Uh, his back's hurt. Whatever it is. Like, you can definitely see the play where he gets this injury and since then has not been the same. No. And and it's it's tough to see. Like, he's fighting out there. He's trying. But, man, you can only go through so many Draymond Green screens with separated ribs (laughs) and and be able to come back on the other end and effectively drop a a defender and pull up for three and make it. So that's tough to see. And then KD has been announced that he's going to be out through at least game four of the Western Conference Finals. But like we were saying, it doesn't look like it really matters at this point because Golden State's just on a roll. Um, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Golden State might not need him to win the finals. Who knows? I don't know about that, but, but about the Western <laughs> Conference Finals, yeah, it's, I'm feeling fine if I'm the Warriors. Um, Matt, let's talk about our thought of the week. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll just kind of keep it in this Portland-Golden State um, series, but expanding to a bigger topic. So if you've watched Game 3, you saw Portland start Myers Leonard. And, <laughs> and like, he was good. Like, that's the scary part. It's like Myers Leonard looked good out on the basketball court last night. He was, like, had energy. He was playing well. He was playing well offensively. He was hustling defensively. And then... Also, we've seen throughout the series and even into the last series with the Nuggets, this team needs Rodney Hood. Like, I, I mean, I generally like Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless, but they need Rodney Hood because he can score. It gets to my bigger point. Man, big men are replaceable. You took Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, his was an injury, but he's out. In his canter, we know he can play offense. So he know he can really help you in that rebounding department, but you can take him out. They even... Their next guy was Zach Collins, and he, he was still playing. All three bigs, Zach Collins and his canter, Myers Leonard, were still playing. But kind of just a, a hustle big man at this point still. Man, big men are just, if this doesn't summarize it, they're replaceable. They are. And who you need, who you need to pay, who you need to acquire, and this isn't just Portland, this is everyone. This is going to everyone in the NBA. PSA, you need off-ball scoring. You need guys who can... Play around your, your big guys. Play around James. Surround him, a.k.a. Rodney Hood, or whatever team is out there. This is why everyone always thought Rodney Hood could be an option as like a fifth starter because he's just a bucket getter. Every team needs a bucket getter. You go watch this ugly ending to the Toronto Bucks game three. Someone needs a bucket getter out there right now, and George Hill is doing that. But Toronto looks like they have no one. You, this is why you need these guys. This is why you got to pay up for them because in the biggest moments, big men, you can bring in the next guy. As long as he has energy, he'll hustle, he'll be in the right spot, you can find a big man. But you can't just find shooters. That's my big point. you got to find shooters. As we're transitioning at the end of the year, going into the offseason, going into the draft, you got to prioritize it at all costs. Even if that means like you're getting into that tax or you're spending a little more than you want to, got to prioritize shooting. Not just Rodney Hood, anyone out there who can get buckets off the ball. That's a great point. Seeing that a lot with Milwaukee right now, like their success, it's like just having a Malcolm Brogdon who yeah. can go out there and just like drive and get a bucket. George Hill, drive and get a bucket. That's just really nice to have. Yeah, it's a uh, irreplaceable now that in, you're in crunch time here. So, my thought of the week is um, more or less going off the lottery and that'll. 
switch, get us into our lottery discussion for a big topic. But um, <clears throat> Zach Lowe had a really nice piece about like some fallout from what this lottery is. And one of his points was that um, we'll start seeing more heavily protected picks mm-hmm. around the lottery. I'll take it a step further. We're going to start seeing a lot less blockbuster trades for bigger time assets because it's just going to be like for Memphis to give up their pick this year. Like if they would have given away a trade, like for whatever reason, if they wanted to push to make the playoffs for whatever reason, giving away their pick, that would have been the number two pick. It would have been the number two pick. Like you're just going to see less, more and more teams hesitant to pull triggers on these big deals. Mm More, I mean, like, not even we're not even talking about Nets deals where it was multiple picks over multiple years. We're just talking about like acquiring a star, or, like a, what you could think of as a third or fourth yeah. dude in a playoff run. We're just gonna start seeing a lot less of that and more demand for these like potential lottery picks, which is just like crazy. It's gonna change the way trades work in the NBA. We're gonna see. I think. Just, like, a consequence, a lot less trades. That could be. I mean, like, I don't know. As a GM, I would be hesitant to give up a pick. Like, if you're, like, thinking you could be 13 or 14, like, you could jump up, like, to the fifth pick. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. So, and we we saw this year, like, teams that it feels like, man, you're in the single digits in terms of odd percentage, or you're under 5% jumped up four, five, six, seven, eight spots. Yeah, that it's tempting to be like, you know, we never know what might happen. So you're right, it's either gonna be heavily protected or just might not happen. And you have to find other ways to make deals and maybe that's just young players you've already drafted. Which are you no one wants to be the team that gave up on the young asset too early. Right. And say like, oh well we had him for a year or two. You know, kinda like Charlotte, Malik Monk, we don't want to give up on him yet because he might still be something, but it'd be really nice to have an extra dude who can actually do something right now. Yeah. It's like they didn't give up on Lake Monk. They kept him through the trade deadline. But you might see like teams have to start considering those type guys more often in future picks or in future trades. I think it'll even be more fascinating in this offseason to see what kind of contracts get signed because that plays into the trade market as well. Mm-hmm. And like, I think GMs are going to be a lot less hesitant or a lot more hesitant now. From the 2016 fallout of bad contracts, like just with the salary cap restrictions that we have, we just don't know what is going to happen. And I, I don't know. It's just such, such a fascinating time to keep an eye on like this, like tr- front offices and like trades and even like cap, cap situations for each one yeah. of these teams because it's such like a. Um, I don't know, historic time. I don't know how else to phrase that, but like, this is like changing the way franchises are going to be for yeah. a long time. And the New Orleans Pelicans can attest to that from this past week. Well, it's the same way whenever they change the lottery odds to make it that 25% for like the that worst team. Yep. That's why Philly, and it wasn't just Philly, it's any, always done the hard tank. There have been other teams like even back in the 90s that have done hard tanks before. But when you give, when you change it and make that reality for teams, that's what they'll do. So now you kind of change it back to where you don't have that large of an incentive to massive tank. And it, again, kind of changes the way you're going to have to go about building a team. You're right. Yeah. And we'll just see how else, what kind of ripple effects we'll see from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that being said, let's get into our big topic, one of our big topics for today. Let's talk about the draft lottery, Matt. Really, really, like this is the most like intense lottery that I've seen in a while. Who it's like who watches the draft lottery? I I mean like the intense fans and and maybe a few fans for if you know your team has a pretty good shot at the number one. I feel like a lot of people were watching this draft lottery just because it's like you had no idea what was going to happen. You're right; it was like the first change in a while they'd had to the system, and it it delivered. It delivered on, like, the excitement and, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. I mean, you have to think the NBA, like, and their, like, headquarters are just, like, doing cartwheels. Like, you're dominating a news cycle on a Tuesday, Wednesday Mm -hmm. of, like, when, like, football, NFL OTAs are going on. The baseball season's in full swing. And, like, everyone's talking about the draft lottery the, the draft order of which your teams are going to yeah. be which is normally a set deal in the NFL and these other places mm-hmm. 
it's just a really fascinating yeah. thing. Like the lottery is a fascinating thing in general. And so the order from one to 14 is going to be New Orleans is going to be the number one, like we mentioned. We, we briefly threw out there. The Grizzlies are going to get the number two pick. Knicks three, Lakers four, oh. Cavs five, Suns six, Bulls seven, Hawks eight, Wizards nine, Hawks again at 10, and that's, again, they're getting two picks because of the, the Dallas Luka trade. Timberwolves 11, Hornets 12, Heat 13, and Celtics 14. That's via the Sacramento pass trade. So there are a few teams who I think won right now, and, and obviously it's, it's New Orleans. They're the team that, with this whole Anthony Davis saga, man, they could have been just in the crapper yep. for the next three, four, five years. I'm not saying they won't be, but man, the the odds of that have drastically turned around now. Like you get Zion, assuming they, he comes out in the draft. And that, I mean, they won the Zion sweepstakes, and that's I mean that's a lot to be said. Like this is a once in what we think is a generational player, like a LeBron almost or Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. Like we talked about the Pelicans, like tearing everything down, trading Drew Holiday. We've talked about that. You might not have to do that now. Like, you can retool fairly quickly yeah. with this team. Assuming Anthony Davis still doesn't want to play for you, he still wants to sit or, or whatever, Ben, you can get a good package back, and all of a sudden, Drew Holiday, Zion, and whatever you get back, you, you're feeling okay. I'm not, I don't know if that's a playoff team in the West still with the rise up of Sacramento and, and a few others, but, man, that's good. That's not going to be a team looking for the number one pick again next year, for sure. I mean, you think about it, like you look at this team down like three, four years down the road, I think one of the packages that gets talked about a lot is the trading for Anthony Davis to the Knicks and getting back that three pick so you can draft what you would think would be R.J. Barrett. You so you get Zion, R.J. Barrett, Drew, your, Holiday. Drew Holiday, your choice of Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nielakita yeah. and whoever else from New York. Basically have a, a starting five. <laughs> yeah, and you flip that. I mean, I like Kevin Knox. I think he could be a nice player. Analytics don't necessarily agree with that. But well, I mean, how many rookies does analytics agree with? That, like that, Luca. That's a, I mean, that's a good point. Um, but like you're looking at a really good team dip three or four years down the road. And even in the Lakers, like their offer significantly increased now that they get the fourth pick. And they were one of the other winners. So the Grizzlies only had a 6% chance to get that number one pick. They got it. The Lakers were starting at the number 11 slot and somehow were able to jump up to the number four spot in the draft. And so that's going to what you're saying. Like, all of a sudden, that trade chip, because 11, it's not that. I think it's valuable, but only to a certain degree. Number four, though, in a draft where you feel like there's only four, five, six top-end players, man, all of a sudden, that's a much bigger piece. But also, like... I was following it. I was watching it. Man, I feel like Twitter nearly lost its crap when the Lakers were still in that final four going into that commercial break. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it's a crazy number to jump up seven spots. Like, that wouldn't have been heard of. Like, that, those possibilities in last year's lottery would have been astronomically uh, yeah. low. And and this year, like, it's not that it was super high, but it was substantially higher than it would have been in the past. And, right. and it happened. And all of a sudden, either if they just used the pick... You can find a really good player that can probably help you right away at number four. But also, like, you're right. It could be a trade chip, whether it's Anthony Davis or someone else. If you if you feel like there's someone else out there that you you can get because New Orleans just won't play ball with you, and, and that may be the case. Number four, all of a sudden, that's a really good pick, and I don't know if that's a, a Mike Conley or someone else, but that's that's a trade piece now that you did not have before, and all of a sudden you package that with Lonzo or something, you got to feel so so good if you're the Lakers, and that's why they were one of my other winners for this draft lottery. And the third one we we've mentioned them is the Grizzlies. Again, they were in that six percent bracket. They were started out as the number I think eight team, and they jumped up to number two, so a six spot jump. Yeah. So Pelicans jumped six spots, Grizzlies jumped six spots, and the Lakers jumped seven spots. I mean, it makes sense then why they're they're winners right. of the lottery. But again, like. You mentioned, and I think you threw it out on Twitter for us, they're having a lot of interesting conversations now of who they can draft. Do you want to build around Mike Conley still and still be trying to push 
for playoff contention, you know, it's staying relevant more so, or is it like, you know what, we're actually in a good position to rebuild this right now. And do you go down that route? All of a sudden the Grizzlies have options they didn't have before. And they're a team that desperately needed like some flexibility. Well, that's the thing. Now you start thinking about it. Like if you get Mike Conley off of your books, let's say like theoretically they've been linked to John Morant quite a bit. With mm-hmm. the second pick, which I, I like that. And then you would trade Mike Conley, whoever would win the Mike Conley sweepstakes. So you potentially could get another pick back in this year's draft or another lottery pick in yeah. a future upcoming draft. But then you have John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And like that's a pairing you can live with for quite a while. And yeah, that's you a team feel real good about that. You can build around. That's, you know. Reminiscence of a Mike Conley, Marcus Oliver. I know, just modern day. Exactly. I think the Grizzlies all of a sudden. I know I, we've we talked about them third, but but they may be the top winner of this just because all of a sudden they have options that just they never thought they would have had before, and just so much more flexibility. And they have bad contracts. Like they they traded Marcus All, but they ended up back with. Jonas Valachunas, he's still getting paid quite a bit. You still have Chandler Parsons and, and other guys to deal with Kyle Lowry, or not Kyle Lowry, Kyle Anderson. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, I, maybe there's all equal winners in this, but, but definitely winners from this draft lottery. But with winners, then also come losers. Some teams that maybe got screwed. I'm feeling real bad if I'm Cleveland or Phoenix right now. Because you're bad. Like, you just, you suck. <laughs> and you went from being the number one and two teams to getting the five and six slots in this draft. I mean, like, I mean, you, you know Cleveland had to come back around on them after winning. You can't win the number one pick. <laughs> all those years and get Zion still. Uh, I feel like that was the basketball gods, if you will. Just, like, saying no. Not today. even this back out. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the thing... <laughs> It's so funny. They lose all those games, and you're not even guaranteed the number. Like, could you imagine, like, the Cleveland Browns not getting, like, the number one And they pick? were going, like, 0-16. Yeah, uh, that would be nuts. But, like, you really had – I would be more furious if I was Phoenix. Because, like, like you said earlier, there might be five or six dudes in this draft who you think can be a dude, and you end up at six. Like so you, you're you on the very edge of yeah. what is thought to be a – like getting a player that yeah. can shape your franchise. And and they've been linked a lot to really wanting Ja Morant if they weren't getting the number one pick. And unless, I mean, it's still possible that he slides to them if the Grizzlies pass on him just because every team in front of them doesn't really need that type of a guy, it seems like. So it's still possible that things can work out for them, but the chances of it working out now are just so much less if Memphis decides to go the rebuild route so you're right they're a team that just desperately needs talent they just need some guys in there who can come in and play and you bring in this new regime you have james jones as the new gm you fire your coach bring in monty williams thinking you're gonna get like a foundational guy and right now you're on the the edge of those top end guys now in the draft lottery that's got to just be deflating you feel like i i didn't really agree with all phoenix's moves so far but they felt obviously confident in what they were doing. And then for this to happen, just chops them down at the knees. But it's, it's kind of what they deserve for being an idiot. <laughs> I mean, what a bad week. What a bad, like, three-day stretch for Monty Williams. It's like, man, you can get Zion Williams, be that new head coach. You end up losing, like, his old team. You're already losing before you've even coached a game. <laughs> you lost uh, in that, like... The 76ers lost, like his old his old team yeah. lost the playoff series, and then your team slides back to the six when you thought you had the at least one or two. Yeah, and so that's just a very Phoenix thing to happen. Cleveland being at five, you're still probably feeling okay about that, but it, it could have been so much better. And those are teams that just they desperately need that infusion of top end talent. Yeah, and, and it looks like they're gonna miss out on the the best of the best in this year's draft. I think another loser has to be Washington. You you were hoping to be the number about six teams. So, again, just another team that wants to really maximize this Bradley Beal era and get through the John Wall injury and be able to come out of this okay. And you slide back to nine. Not a huge slide, but like we were saying, when you feel like you had a chance to be in that five-six spot, 
get one of those top end guys and you fall back to nine, all of a sudden, if you were wanting to trade, that's a much less valuable trade chip. All of a sudden, the talent gap, I think there's a pretty substantial one. Yeah. Kind of just starting to look into the draft and, and guys available between that six and nine spot. You're, you're feeling real bad because you feel like you're right there. Their owner says it all the time. We're right there. We're, we're a playoff contender. And then, well, number nine is, is not really going to do what they needed the draft to do for them this year. I mean, it's what we've talked about all year is like the middle of the NBA sucks. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be a, a lower middle class team. And that's what they are, though. Like you just get point. feasted on. Like the uh, Lakers get richer and you just like, you missed out on a dude. Like you're probably going to miss out on a guy. Now, like there could be a million one things that happen on draft night. Crazy trades. We saw it yeah. last year. And dudes could just fall to you. And like that's what you kind of have to hope for now at Washington because their trade pieces are not good. No, that's the thing. Like you only got so many guys on the books to trade. The pieces, if it's not Bradley Beal, aren't good, and you still somehow have all your money wrapped up already before free agency's even started. So yeah, Washington's in a bad spot. That's why you needed a value contract of a rookie player who could come in right away. I mean, now maybe someone like a, a Kobe White, the the guard from North Carolina who can play the one and the two. So he could take over the one while John Wall's out, play the two when John Wall comes back, could still maybe be there at nine, and it breaks out okay for you. But again, you're hoping on a couple teams pass on him. I mean, that would be the Suns. Yeah. Who are directly in front of you. The the Suns are there. The Hawks are right in front of you if they're looking for an off-ball guy to put next to Trey Young. And they love shooting. Kobe White's a shooter. Yeah. Like he, he, he can launch it and he will sometimes unconsciously. I mean, there's there's a couple teams that could snatch him up literally right in front of you. So maybe, you know, it does break right for you, but again, it's just hard to know like you needed that and it, it fell. And the last one, although they still get two picks, number eight and ten, Atlanta could have made out a little better on this. They they were hoping to have the five and nine picks. And yeah, you still got two in the top ten. But five and nine is really different from eight and ten. Again, same same point as we were making with Washington. You felt like you could have got one of those top tier guys, and you fell out of it. Now maybe you can package your two picks to move up if maybe um, like a Cleveland or a, or a Phoenix isn't really loving who's there at five and six. But I don't know. You probably just wish like this would have broke just a little bit better for you. Again, knowing how bad it was, but. You saw a lot of potential out of Trey Young this year. You saw a really good ending to the year for your team. So maybe if you're Atlanta, you can live with this. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, from a Mavericks point of view, like, that 10th pick is their pick. Mm-hmm. You have to feel a little bit better about trading for Luka that it's the 10th and not, like, the 4. Yeah. Like, um, and I know, like, the odds and whatever else, but, like, that might not be a bad trade. And, like, we're going to see the conclusion, well, the start of the conclusion to this Luka versus Trey thing. Whoever gets drafted, that value, they're, like, that player's value is immediately attached to this trade. Yeah. And, like, that's the interesting thing about this is, like, I feel like from, like I was saying, like, Maverick's point of view, like, you're like, all right, that's fine. Like, we're not getting a top-tier dude. Yeah, knowing what you got in Luka. And you get Kristaps. Like, you traded for Kristaps, which, I don't know. I feel like kind of evens it out. Yeah. No, I'm feeling fine if I'm the Mavericks. I'm okay losing that for what you got back. And if I'm Atlanta, like, you're still probably feeling fine, like I said, but it just could have been better. So I guess that gets to the big question, and you were bringing it up at the top. Do you think this lottery was successful? From, like, a spectacle point of view, yeah. Because you had the big markets in it, right? did. Like, New York. Like, they were heavily invested in this. They got the three. L.A., they were in it. They jumped and got the four, made it made it a theatrical night. And, like, on top of that, your smaller market teams are still getting good picks. The New Orleans Pelicans, who had, like, a disaster of a year from, like, a franchise perspective, mm-hmm. are getting a franchise player out of this. Like, it's all, like, from a commissioner point of view, I think this was a win. And it kind of gives teams the incentive to still try to win games. Yeah, that's saying knowing that the number one and two teams in in order, or well, two of the top three teams in that 14% bracket fell, I think 
the NBA is hoping that it discourages that Knicks and Suns style of tanking in the future. Because, I mean, yeah, the Knicks still got the three, but of all, all the options, the Knicks only getting the three and being the best out of that bracket, I think that's what the NBA wants. They don't want teams tanking from day one. And right. saying, like, we're going to play five rookies and just see what happens. I think that's what they want to get away from. Now, we, we kind of threw it out there. We might be looking at more lower middle class teams. Teams that they'll, they'll push for a little bit, realize, like, yeah, we're out of it, though, and then tank at the end the way, like, maybe the Mavericks did or something like that. But I think it's cool that, like, teams can jump the way we saw them jump. And I think, like you were saying, like, it creates, like, this event for people to watch and that everyone's invested in it. Then are we going to keep, or did we tank all year for nothing? Did we jump up a few spots that we really didn't deserve, but it worked out for us? Overall, I think I'm a fan. I think I'm just a general fan of this lottery style and, and how it went. I, obviously, it may not happen to play out this same way every year, but I'm happy with it so far because I'm not a huge fan of the tank from day one. Tank, sure, but, but throw something out there that's semi-competitive from the beginning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you nailed that on the head in that, like, the NBA can't, like, sell tickets like, like it's hard to sell tickets for like a Phoenix Suns team who like literally you can buy a ticket for like three bucks, like and, from like the major websites, not even like the resale sites. <laughs> and it's like, like owners don't want that. Like they spent billions of dollars on this team to acquire it, and like, like they may be tanking, yeah, but they like need an incentive to not tank. Yeah. And, and like, this is it. You can't go in 17 games in a year and then not get a top three pick. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's garbage. And that's why a lot of people, like, I think that's what the NBA wants, though, is to be like, no, that is, that, that's not competitive basketball. Now, maybe it creates more 30-win teams, but I think the NBA would take five more 30-win teams by getting five teams out of the, like, 17-18-win bracket yeah. any day. I mean, like, think about it. You can get more Sacramento teams in there. Like, if Sacramento didn't give up their pick, they're 14. Yeah. So, I I think this did what the NBA wanted it to do. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, that's why Adam Silver's probably feeling pretty good. Now, of course, in 10 years, could some, like, weird side effects happen and they change it back? Sure. But for right now, I'm I'm cool with it. And I hope it sticks around for a bit longer so we can see, like, is this actually, like, a good barely random system or is but still leaning towards helping out the bad teams or is it just kind of a a free for all that then it's like well what are we actually doing this for why like what's the point so that's our topic one that was kind of going through the draft lottery you'll start seeing a lot of mock drafts um just kind of on my own I like putting one together and and we'll start seeing some more players and the combines happening too in in the coming few days so be, be watching out for a lot of that coming up from, from us and, and other news websites coming out. But let's actually get into basketball, basketball. Actual games. That, playoffs. That happens? Conference finals. <laughs> Just a reminder, I, I said I was picking the Warriors in six, Raptors in seven, and Ryan said he was picking Warriors in five, Bucks in seven. So we'll start with the teams that <laughs> we, we said what we wanted to see, but we're not quite seeing it yet. And we'll start with Portland, since they're down 3-0 right now. And who knows how long Portland has left. They're on life support. They, it's looking bad. <laughs> so we said we, we would hope to see Dame kind of getting his legs back, CJ staying hot, and maybe a few role players can step up and hit some shots, a.k.a. Rodney Hood and a few others. We, um, not, not quite. <laughs> not quite that. No, they, they've been in a couple games. Yeah. Like, we'll give them credit. Like, it's been competitive. They've, they've done literally as much as they could, knowing their circumstances, knowing how many games they've had to play recently. And even Steve Kerr said the schedule in game one drastically favored the Warriors because the Blazers just had to turn around from game seven and go straight to game one of the next series. But man, the defense has not looked good. The ball screen defense has not looked good. Why do you drop a big on Steph Curry? I mean, that was the big conversation after game one of the series when... Ennis Kanter was playing in the paint 17 feet away from one of the greatest shooters to ever play the game. They were still doing it in game two. Also, and it's not just Ennis Kanter. Like, I know 
like in his candor, deservedly get some crap for his defense. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't just him. Yeah, like it was every every big. So that was really concerning. It's like, was that a team decision? Was that just a a big like we're gassed, we're tired decision? But man, like you saw Steph, he's been torching him. He's going for thirty plus every game. On some level, what when do you just say like, Steph's not scoring right now, or we're gonna make it incredibly difficult? Pass the ball to Clay or Draymond or. Iguodala, someone else. But we're not going to let Steph just have a step into wide open three. That's ridiculous. That's just bad basketball. <laughs> That's why you're down 3-0. Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of to what your point was earlier and your thought of the week is, like, this is where you really see Portland's roster construction is really flawed. Yeah. Like, they just don't have another guy. Like, they hoped Ev- they were paying him. Evan Turner could, like, be a, like – a tertiary ball handler who could kind of run some offense whenever Dame was either locked up or, or struggling or tired or, or injured in this case. And CJ was having to do everything else. And they just don't have that. They just really don't. If, if Rodney Hood can't hit his three-point shot, there's no other offense outside of Dame and CJ right now. And that's just not enough to to win a game against the Warriors. You can stay in it for three quarters, three and a half quarters, if you you're just that talented, and those two guys for the Blazers are, but you can't beat Steph when he's like that. If no one else is playing, yeah. And the big development I think here for the Warriors, and even against like Portland, is Draymond's just been phenomenal. He's so good. He's like it's like oh, this is why you got got to pay this guy max. Like his defensive IQ and even like his ability to read the defense and like. After like after a main shot, like he was pushing the ball in game three. He yeah. was just like, I'm gonna go push this ball, and I'm gonna make your defense break, and I'm gonna get someone open. I don't know who it is. It might be Jordan Bell. It might be Steph Curry. But someone's getting a good look, and like Portland couldn't stop it because yeah. I mean part of it, and this is another point. Like Portland just looks tired. They do, and that's unfortunate to see. It. I don't. Know if it's just guys are are out there playing hurt like Dame. Or if it's just like you just played a seven game series with Denver and then you get no rest and then you got to go play Golden State. And maybe that's just it. You've been on the road for so long now. You haven't got a chance to really sit down and relax. And they made game three fairly competitive still. Up 17 at, at, at one, one point. And they just couldn't hold on to it. It just, it's still at the end, it just looked like Steph, every time he was running around the screen, it's like he was on the court for the first time all game. Yeah. And CJ and, and Dame just couldn't keep up with him. Al Camino, Mo Harkless, they just couldn't keep ch- chasing those guys. And at some level, like, that's credit to Golden State. But that's also, like, Portland's giving it what they have, and it's just not there. And on some level, that's okay to say, like, you know what, these are the champs. This is it. We're giving them a good fight, but it's just not enough. It's just not. This might be a trash take, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's like... Portland might be better off if KD was playing right now. Because, like, the Warriors play a little bit more iso ball. So you don't have to run around. So you don't have to run around as much. I, I mean, like, that. it's a bad take. Like, I, yes, you don't want You're Kevin, still losing. You, you don't want Kevin Durant, like, playing in the series. Like, ideally, if you're Portland. Like, that favors you. But, like, if your guys are tired and, like, Dame is, like, sitting in the corner. And, like, that's not like Dame. That's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I don't know. It's just a thought. A bad one, but a thought. There's there's some legitimacy to it. Now, on to Toronto. We said we were hoping Kawhi stay hot. He hit that game winner against Philly to end that series. We were wondering, will, will Kyle Lowry, Mark Saw, other role players show up? Well, outside <laughs> of game one, um, Kyle Lowry has been a no-show. He had a great game one, but they still lost. And... Seven you know, threes in that game, for, I think, for Kyle Lowry. He was Lowry. red hot. Like, he was hitting everything. He was so confident. And I wonder if it's the fact that they lost. It's just like, nope, we're done. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, nobody is really stepped up to help Kawhi. And even Kawhi, in a, in a bit, looks tired out there. And even game three, we were talking about. The Raptors did end up winning that game. Um, Giannis fouled out in double overtime. Uh, even he looks, he looks tired. He looks hurt on some level. And he got hurt at the beginning of game three in this. It's just it's it's hard to play against a team that's as deep of, as Milwaukee is 
whenever you played a long series, the same way Portland had played a long series, and then you got to go on the road for the first two and play against a team that looks fresh because they gentlemen swept Boston, and they just look ready to play. And Toronto, for the most part, just hasn't. Yeah, I mean, like, geez. I mean, like, it, it's so it's so deflating. Like, you go onto the road, you have a great game from Kyle Lowry. When, when's the last time that's happened? The regular like, season? Like, legitimately. <laughs> and, like, you still lose that game. Game two, you get come out and get smashed. They did win game three, which is kudos to Toronto. It's still 2-1. Like, you still have to come play. Like, Giannis is still rested. Like, yeah. he's, like, Kawhi has one of the most rested superstars coming into the playoffs. But like you said, at this point in the conference finals, like your legs are tired. Like there's no like it breaks. Took, it took Marcus Gasol coming out and scoring eight points and midway through the first quarter. It took Norman Powell coming off the bench and putting up double digits for this team. It took Fred Van Fleet coming in and hitting a couple threes for this team to even just be in the game in game three. I'm not counting on that moving forward, especially if Milwaukee's like kind of pissed off now that they lost one that they feel like they, they probably should have won. Drake was running his mouth at Giannis. Yeah, I, I don't feel, feel like that's going to That's not going to well. end well. No, not at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Toronto fans. It's just, it doesn't it doesn't equate to good things happening. Do you? My question for you, and I asked you this off the air, I'm going to get you on record for this. Okay. Do you still feel confident in your Raptors in seven? Um... So I had said, and this is before the game had ended, if they lost, obviously not. Winning, man, they better win game four. They they have to. You can't go down 3-1 heading back to Milwaukee. But part of me is like, they, they easily could have taken one of those first two in Milwaukee. They could have taken game three, and they did. So it's like, as much as they're down 2-1, they could have been up 2-1. Yeah. So you're down a game could have been up a game that means you're kind of there you just got to finish and they just haven't been able to finish they haven't been able to put together a great 48 minutes or in tonight's instance 58 minutes and that's what it takes to beat milwaukee that's what it takes every single time you step on the floor with them i'm feeling not so good right now i'd probably take it back but it's not unreasonable still i feel like i still feel like it's a possibility but I don't know, Pascal needs to get out of his head. <laughs> Kawhi needs to start taking over a little bit more often. Kyle Lowry obviously has to step up to being at least being a double-digit scorer. Marcus Saul needs to step up. We were watching this game three, and I brought up the sequence to you a couple times, but like Marcus Saul got a wide-open look at three on a wing, and it's like that could be a good shot for him. He swung it to the corner, corner to Fred Van Fleet, and Fred Van Viet, like stared at him for a second and tossed the ball right back to him. Because he was guarded. <laughs> and he was like, take the shot. And, like, you could tell Mark, like, hesitated for a second. But then by that time, like, Brooke Lopez was kind of back in the picture, and he eventually shot the shot. And, and it just short. looked bad. Yeah, he looked old. He looked like he didn't have legs. He didn't jump at all. And that's just kind of it, like... And Mark Gasol maybe just the epitome of it right now. That's just how it feels like when Toronto puts up a shot. <laughs> like, no one's really jumping. No one's really attacking the offensive glass. No one's really making something happen. It's just, man, this is an all right jump shot here. I'll just throw this ball at the rim. I mean, yeah. I think the biggest reservation I have if I'm a Toronto supporter is that Giannis had 12 points in this game. Yeah. And he only won by six. Yeah. Oh, it could have been so much worse. And you had so many times put Milwaukee away, and you didn't. Yeah, no, you kept giving them chances. Like we're like, oh, is, is Toronto gonna collapse, and then Milwaukee would start to come back, and it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Here's Toronto, and then just Milwaukee would get right back into it, and without Giannis playing well, like he had a bad game, and that's okay. He looked he looked tired on some level, and that's okay. He hasn't had one of those games all playoffs. He'll bounce back and. I assume he'll be the MVP he's been all year. And, I, again, I trust the Bucks as a team probably more so than I trust the Raptors right now. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, I'm i just a little unsettled because, like, Toronto's offense is just, like, iso Kawhi. Like, it's just, like, which works on, like, late-game buckets, but, like, when it's middle of second quarter, like, 
you got to do something else. Like you can't, Kawhi just can't dribble the ball up or like fight off a Malcolm Brogdon screen or fight off of a Chris Mills and whatever it is. And mm-hmm. then eventually maybe get open. I know. And so it's, it's tough to watch sometimes, but it's, it's what they've got to work with. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing the best they can right now, which on some level it's still competitive, but on some level it makes me worried. Now we'll get into the couple teams that have come out and really played their best basketball, which are Golden State and Milwaukee. So with Golden State, what we said we wanted to see was Steph stay in rhythm, check, <laughs> empower Draymond, check, and trust your bench. Quinn Cook with the Hezzy. Quinn Cook with the Hezzy. Jordan Bell with the, like the monster slam. So yeah, all that's happening. Steph red hot, but like you you mentioned at the top. Draymond Green is playing a completely different brand of basketball right now. And he's going for a triple-double in game three, going for... Although the stat line was fine, like it was good, like he's going for something like 18 and six. Before, he was just playing perfect basketball. Like I mean, for what this team needs. Amazing defense. Like whatever, he, whatever assignment he was on, like it's like that guy didn't score. At all. And, like, he's kind of dropped the antics. Like, I think I saw a quote from him today. He was like, at some point I realized I was just crying too much and not playing enough basketball. It's like, that's what I want to hear from you, Draymond. Yeah, he said he was disgusted with the way he was playing. So he's like, I imagine it's really pretty awful to watch. So I'm not going to focus on the officials. I'm just going to be locked into the game. And, man, he is. I mean, he... This is like, turn back the clock. Like, 2015. Like, if he had his jump shot, like, that would be one thing. Like, if he could mm-hmm. hit a three, like, I don't know. He might be unstoppable. Like, I don't know what, what else to do with Draymond at that point. Yeah, because it's like no one on Portland can match multiple things that he does well. Maybe, you know, Mo Harkless or Alfred Camino can play some good defensive possessions and at least somewhat match him on whoever they're guarding. But they can't go run the break the way he does. They, they can't do a, a screen catch a short roll pass and find a guy in the corner like they can't do that they're either taking that shot or, or driving to the basket and trying to force something up they just no one can match what he's doing out there right now and he's that other guy we mentioned like you need that other guy so you got steph you got clay who's gonna be the other guy that steps up and it's draymond in portland it's dame cj and then I guess whoever's playing well, <laughs> Myers Leonard. Um, but Myers Leonard is not Draymond Green. Right. Um, kind of the same, similar personalities, but uh, <laughs> not not the same player at all. And it's like, it's completely swung this series. The way Draymond, even after Portland scores a basket, just takes an inbound and is flying up the court, like you mentioned. And it's like, oh, we're immediately scoring like four seconds after you just did. Take all the energy back out of the building. Yeah. That's that's just like the worst feeling for a Portland team that's just trying to gain some sort of traction against the best team in the world. I mean, that's the crazy thing, not to derail this segment too much, but it's like, man, what young team is just going to throw money at Draymond Green? Like, is Atlanta just going to show up with a max contract at his doorstep? It's like, come teach our guys how to play basketball. Yeah, man, that would be fun, fun basketball. Trey Young, John Collins, Draymond Green. I mean, of course, like we know the GM, Travis Link, from the Warriors. Right. Now running Atlanta. So, like, of course, it'd be perfect. But, like, you just wonder, like, is that team out there going to do that? It, would he want to leave? Depends on what the Warriors are, are going to offer him as, like, an extension in the future. But, like, man, he he's proven his worth. And I don't know if he can play like this in the regular season. But he said it before. Sometimes you just got to be a playoff player. Yeah. You got you to gotta be there for the playoffs and show out i mean like it's crazy most guys like stats take a dip in the playoffs his have like significantly jumped the season and that's like unheard of like that's what like Giannis is supposed to do that's what james harden is supposed to do not necessarily like i'm putting jerry ron green in that category but it's just really incredible like even his box score doesn't show all what he's doing no not at all and that's kind of what has led to the Warriors just knowing how to finish games. Whether it's Draymond with the ball in his hands, he just knows how to make the right play. Clay hitting clutch shots. Steph obviously doing ridiculous things from 35 feet. Like it just proves that everyone who touches the ball for them, even Iguodala, I know he he left the game with an injury, but it seems like everyone they were put on the floor knew exactly what to do in the fourth quarter with the ball. 
who to look for, what to look for, how to defend. They just had everything down, and that's why they're able to close out every game this series. Whether it was game two having to do a little bit more of a close game and it was a comeback, and like I predicted, it was going to be close. Or game three, it's like Portland had a lead, and they just stormed back and, yep. and just stole it. And that second half was just complete domination by the Warriors in game three. So I think that that's just, at this point, the huge difference. They have that third guy, and they know how to finish. In Portland, unfortunately, they just there's not that clear third guy. And if Dame's hurt and CJ's playing the way, you know, it's really good, but he can't carry this team by himself. They just don't have enough. They can't finish with him. And Draymond's just going to, as much as anybody, be empowered and run you over. Yeah. And it shows. It does. I, I think... Like, this is the way the Warriors' three championships shows up, right? Like Yeah. Like, this is it. Like, that, that's the difference between these two teams. They've clearly been here. They know exactly what to do. They know who they're going to have out there. And each of those guys knows what they're doing. That's it. It's We make it sound simple. It's not that simple. <laughs> you got to have a lot of talent and a lot of experience and time under your belt and experience and, and just going through those hard moments of losing some, winning some. But very clearly, you're right. It shows right now. So the last team in this, and all they lost tonight, you, we mentioned Giannis didn't play well. What we'd want Milwaukee to do going into the, the Eastern Conference Finals was remain confident with Giannis. I know he didn't play well tonight, but so far it's it's been the Giannis show. Keep shooting. They're launching it. Brooke Lopez just <laughs> slash mountains. Splash. And then play good team defense. And they've made life hard for Toronto. I mean, Kawhi is kind of still getting his. But outside of that, man, it is tough for them to score and that's a yeah maybe that's a knock on toronto but man that's also props to the bucks right now i mean like their scramble defense is as good as it is in the league like just like the swings that toronto is making like guys should be open and you saw this with boston boston struggle with it is like okay well the corner three should be open right now it's not a good shot because malcolm brogdon's closing out on your dude Whoever that is, even if, yeah. like, insert George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, it's like, okay, cut, and then, like, kick it again. And, like, you just see these rotations, and Milwaukee's just there. Like, they're everywhere. And it, it's, like, it's so hard to get offense out of that. That perimeter defense is just like, okay, Eric Bledsoe, yeah, he's inconsistent offensively, but he'll usually play pretty good perimeter defense. And then you just go down Middleton, good defender. Giannis, good defender. You're right. George Hill's been a good defender. Malcolm Brogdon, good perimeter defender. Pat Connaughton, pretty good. Like, <laughs> like it's just like they just can substitute anyone in there to be like a good perimeter defender. And Brooke Lopez is good at kind of cleaning stuff up on the inside. Ursan Elias Sova takes 15 charges <laughs> a game, it feels like. Like, they just have dudes who know how to protect the basket, but also dudes who know how to play defense out on the perimeter. Like, that's just so valuable to have a team that just knows what they want to do defensively and will just lock you down to that level. I mean, that's such a good point you make is, like, every guy knows what they're supposed to do, and, like, they don't have to worry about anything else. It's like, okay, my job right now is to run to that corner as hard as I can. Yeah. Like, that's it. And and there's it's such value sim- in knowing, like, you don't have to worry about what your the guy on your left is doing. Yeah. You just got to do your thing and you gotta, trust that's going to work out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you touched on another really good point is like Brooke Lopez at $3 million is the most underrated player. That's incredible. Like as good of as, like he just doesn't get credit for like rebounds and stuff like that because he's one of the best, like just box out guys in the league. Yeah. But then on top of that, like the rim protection he provides is otherworldly. Like, I know it's like, you don't realize how big he is until you're driving into the lane and you're like, Oh no, like (laughs) I got to kick this ball. But like, who are you going to kick it to? What what passing lane is available? Not, not, not really any. Right. So I think you've seen Kyle Lowry get into that a couple of times. Fred Van Fleet get into that a couple of times. And they just don't know where to go with the ball. And, and yeah, the Raptors have looked good in moments of one game one and, and a lot of game two still. But Bucks just know how to close. As much as they know where to be consistently throughout a game, they know how to close. It seems like... Game three, they weren't giving the ball to Giannis quite as much as you and I would have liked them to. But for the most part, they know. Give the ball to Giannis. Middleton's your second guy. Bledsoe can spot up. Brooke Lopez can spot up. And you put out whoever that fifth guy is, Brogdon or, or Miritich or, or whomever you want spotting up. Seems like they pretty much know, this is what we want to do. This is who we're going to do it with. 
unless like, we're running them as a decoy and you still feel good about your teammates. I know, I, I think the Bucks still should feel good being up 2-1. Yeah, you lost a game, but a double overtime game on the road. You should still feel fine, and that's why you probably still feel like Bucks can win this in five or six games. But, you know, I guess it's not inconceivable. They're a young team for the most part who hasn't been in this spot before. But I think you're still feeling pretty good for the Bucks still. I mean, on the flip side of this, we were talking about the Raptors in the Sixers series about this. Man, are they out of this? Like, is, is this about to be wrapped up in five games? All of a sudden, they win the next two, go up 3-2, and, yeah. like, Philly does their thing at home, and it's 3-3, but then you get game seven at home. That's not the case in this series, but, man, like, it, it's just, like, a couple bounces away, and you could be, like you were saying earlier, it could be 2-1. On the flip side of that, it could be 3-2 next week yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if both of these series are are definitely over um by (laughs) by the time midweek yeah or or even the next time we we want to record but you you know it's it's still been competitive basketball even if the series results right now for games isn't as close as we might think 3-0 in the golden state series at the time of this recording 2-1 milwaukee but you know what? I, I think the NBA has to be pretty happy with how these two series have, have played out. It's been good competitive basketball for the most part. I mean, that's the thing. That's the best thing you got to hope for. Even though the games may not see, say that, the, if you're watching the individual games, it does feel like these series are close. And it's yeah. fun to see these stars go up against each other. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately what the NBA is all about. Exactly. Matt, let's talk about because we probably only have one series left. Let's we're gonna combine our game of the week slash series of the week to one and just make predictions for that for each of us. But Matt, let's talk about this. So Bucks at Raptors. This is gonna be game four. Mm. Tuesday, May twenty first, seven thirty PM Central Time on TNT. So like we said, it's two one Bucks right now. So we're seeing are the are the Raptors gonna even it out, or are the Bucks gonna take that substantial lead heading back home? I think the Raptors somehow do it. I don't know how. I have absolutely <laughs> no insight onto how they're gonna do it, but I'll give the Raps a win, one hundred six to ninety seven. Matt, I asked you early in the podcast if you were shaken by your uh, prediction of a Raptors in seven after. Three games in, I would be shaken by my bucks in seven. Because it's not going seven. It's going yeah. five. I got uh, the bucks winning 102 to the Raptors 98. And bucks sweeping it up. Finishing it up with a gentleman's sweep uh, back in game five. And then the, we'll see the finals. I, I would not be surprised <laughs> either way. But you're probably right but but let's just see if the Raps can make this string it out a little longer i mean i part of me hopes that like we still get like a seven game series because i just want more basketball we're both predicting good games though yeah i mean it seems like it's been like a four point game like either way outside of the one blowout so we'll we'll see it'll be an interesting um interesting end to the series both of them the conference finals, Matt. The next time we'll be talking, it might be, we might be into the finals, the the enchilada, the thing we've been How waiting, exciting. waiting for. Um, this next week uh, is Memorial Day weekend. We're both in a wedding, so we will not be recording a podcast this next week. It'll probably be the weekend after, so we'll have a rest management week again, if you will. So episode thirty will be a couple weeks away, but. Uh, Matt, what are we going to do for episode 30? Uh, we might be looking at game two of the NBA Finals by that point. That'd be nuts. Could be. Uh, and then we're into off-season stuff and draft. Love it. And that's like what what I just want injected into my veins at this point. Um, Matt, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up for two weeks? Not really. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe my predictions aren't feeling so good, but I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. That's good. Um, let's get out of here. This has uh, been a fun podcast. One of our better ones, I think. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. If you haven't 
uh, already, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, and give us a rating and a review. We would really, really appreciate it. I can't believe this is episode 29 when we're wrapping on episode 29 and looking ahead to episode 30. That's just insane. It feels like we just started this crazy two seconds ago. Um, thank you so much for listening again. We'll see you back in a couple weeks, maybe in the NBA.